there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. Ospensky said, logically, machine guns and atomic bombs are excellent. Psychologically, they're wrong. He didn't say that exactly, but he said something like that. I condensed it. He said something about machine guns being excellent and logically, and something about atom bombs being excellent logically. So I just condensed it and said, Ospensky said that logically machine guns and atomic bombs are excellent. Psychologically, they're wrong. If you wish to annihilate the enemy, these devices are great. What makes more sense than weapons of mass destruction, which is really what machine guns, atomic bombs, all of these devices, these scientific devices are. They are weapons of mass destruction. Unfortunately, weapons of mass destruction has become this joke in our country because we went hunting for weapons of mass destruction and never found any. The truth is, weapons of mass destruction are whatever destroys things in mass. And machine guns and atomic bombs destroy things in mass. So do hand grenades and ballistic missiles. They destroy things in mass. It's not like walking up to somebody and sticking him with a sword or a spear or hitting him on the head with a hatchet or a hammer. It's in mass. When you think about it logically, it makes perfect sense. If you want to destroy people, then doing it in mass makes a lot more sense. Realistically, the Holocaust made a lot more sense. It was logical thinking. That systematic logic, when it comes to putting people to death, becomes then a Holocaust. So do you see that logically, they're excellent, but psychologically, it's wrong. The mindset is defective. Enemy comes from the Latin word inimicus, in, which means not, and amicus, friend, not friend. The logical argument is power, might, and violence is the only way to end war. How do you stop the war? Violence, might, power, destroy all of the people who are not your friends, the enemy. Destroy everybody who's not your friend. On a global scale, this logically makes sense. On an individual scale, it's insane, but we still do it. Look at how we destroy the people who are not our friends. If something is a friend to us, it gets most favored nation status, most favored status. But the day that it becomes not a friend, when it does something that we don't like, that displeases us, that day it becomes not friend. And that day, everything changes. It's no longer favored. So you can see the insanity of that. Psychologically, that is wrong. Logically, it makes perfect sense. And of course, just like machine guns and atom bombs, it's excellent. It's been this way since the beginning of misunderstanding. I was going to say this since the beginning of time, but then I realized that we don't really know about the beginning of time, but we do know about since the beginning of misunderstanding. It's when people started to misunderstand one another that enemies, or not friends, started to arise. Because there is no such thing if you're psychologically in the right place. If you're psychologically in a bad place, not friend is something you can have. But if you're in psychologically, you're in a good place, then the only people who are not friends are the people you haven't met yet. That's to be in a good place psychologically. It's interesting how many stories they tell about the Buddha and people would come to him with evil intent and he would meet them as if they were friends. 
and it would just change everything. Maybe it didn't change them, but it changed everything for him. It changed the outcome of everything. And so psychologically, that's right. Psychologically, that's excellent. Psychologically, that makes sense. Logically, it's stupid. Logically, you could be taken advantage of. Logically, you could be robbed. Logically, you could be hurt. Logically, all these horrible things can happen to you. But psychologically, it's perfection. For some, it's time to begin to think in a new way. The majority of people on this planet will continue along the same line that they've been on, the path that's set for them by nature. Periodically, they'll sacrifice themselves and their fellows to nature's needs. In other words, periodically, they will break out in insane logical states of mass destruction, and they will kill thousands and sometimes millions of their fellows. And then there will be a period of relative peace, where they lick their wounds and feel remorse for the slaughter of so many human beings. And then that'll all be forgotten, and they'll have another era of insanity where they slaughter one another. This will go on, but for some of us, it's time to begin to think in a new way. If you're listening, maybe you're one of us. Not necessarily, but you could be. There are people who want to end the slaughter in the world, but they're not willing to end the slaughter in their own lives. They're not willing to have people who are not friends in their lives. Now, there's two ways to have people who are not friends in your life. One way is to have all people friends, and the other way is to alienate the people who are not friends, to push them away, to not have anything to do with them. It's easy to see what the easiest choice is. The easiest choice is pushing them away. It takes no effort on our part. We just get to go along with nature's path of our usual thinking, serving nature's needs. And what is nature's need? Well, nature needs to feed. It needs to feed nature. An eagle or a hawk or a, a bird of prey has babies and it needs to feed them. So it goes out and it catches somebody else's babies and it kills them and it brings them and feeds them to its babies. That's nature's need in order to continue the cycle. Nature needs to do that. If you become a part of nature's need, you become a part of that cycle. If you wish to withdraw from that cycle, to pull yourself out of that, and to get in another line of development, in another line of evolution, then you can free yourself from nature's need. That's the theory of esoteric teachings. Esoteric teachings are for the few who are able to look up from the trough. And you can only look up from the trough when you're able to look up from the trough. I want to share with you why I use the, the term trough. The idea comes from Luke chapter 15, verses 15 through 17. And he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country. Remember, that country is a state. It's a psychological state that we're talking about. Whenever you read something like this in esoteric teachings, esoteric writings, they're not talking about an outer country. They're talking about an inner country, your inner country. And in your inner world, there are countries. And in your inner countries, there are states. And in your inner states, there are counties. And in your inner counties, there are cities and towns and villages. It's all broken down like that. And it would behoove you to begin to look at it that way, to begin to read it that way, to begin to get some different meaning from it, rather than the literal meaning that people always take from esoteric writings, which has very little power to do much of anything for you, but it can be used to stone other people with. Some people, that's all they want. They go to esoteric teachings and they read it just for a way to stone not friends. People who are not with us, they're not friends, so therefore they should be stoned, they should be destroyed, so we practice mass destruction on them. Whether it be spin, propaganda, whether it be actually weapons of mass destruction, whether it be just murdering them in our own minds and hearts, slandering them, diminishing them, annihilating them, disappearing them, whatever it is we do. 
Okay, do you understand my meaning? So he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I'm dying here with hunger. You feed swine in a trough. My point was, esoteric teachings are for the few who are able to look up from the trough when they're able to look up. We all feed from the trough. The truth finds us in the trough. The truth finds us eating slop, eating pods, eating meaningless junk food, hollow calories, basically, that don't really nourish us. And so we actually begin to starve to death while we're full. So we're filling ourselves with useless stuff, but internally, spiritually, psychologically, we begin to starve to death. So the false personality gets stronger, bigger, fatter, grosser, more powerful. But the essential you, the real part of you, the part of you that could develop along a totally different line outside of nature's development, outside of nature's needs, that part of you begins to starve to death. We must be taught to think differently. To be taught, we must recognize something higher than ourselves. This is why pride and vanity have to go. If you can't recognize anything higher than yourself, how can you be taught? Oh, well, I'll have the truth teach me. Oh, I'll have life teach me. No person is going to teach me because really no one's better than me. Pride and vanity have to go. And to the degree that you can allow pride and vanity to go. And sometimes we can only allow pride and vanity to go with one person. We can pick one person and say, okay, you can teach me. Nobody else has anything to say to me. Only you. I don't want to hear anything from anybody else. We hear this plenty in this group. You know, you don't want to listen to each other. You only want to listen to me. And there's only one reason for that. Pride and vanity. Nothing else. It's not that these other people don't have something to say to you. What they have to say is just as valuable because you're the one who places value. They can be spewing senseless words the way I do. But if you place value on it, you can learn. You can be nourished. Pride, vanity, self-valuation, and justification lock us into our current state like a dovetail joint. Dovetail joints are great. They really do lock into place, and they can't be pulled apart unless you know the way to make a dovetail joint come apart. And once they're glued, they're strong, very strong. A lot of glue surface, and plus they have a locking joint that can't be pulled apart without destroying the joint. Pride, vanity, self-valuation, justification lock us into the trough, lock us into our current state, keep us in this country feeding swine. And what does that mean? Feeding swine, serving nature. You're serving nature when you're feeding swine. And you're starving to death while you're doing it. And this is our condition. This is this country that we live in. Part of new thinking is external considering. Putting yourself in the position of another person. Alone, this conducts little meaning in our current state. See, if I say to you, well, put yourself in somebody else's position. If I say to you, well, you, can't, you shouldn't judge a man until you walk a mile in his moccasins. Or if I say to you, do unto your neighbors you, as you would have him do unto you. It conducts very little meaning for us. It doesn't mean anything to us. We've heard it all. It's like the Bible, esoteric teachings. People hear them. They're fairy tales. They're stories. They, they conduct no meaning anymore. They conduct no meaning because we have lost the ability to receive the meaning from higher influences. It's hidden there. It's not gone. It's there. We could mine it. We could get it. But we would have to put forth some effort. And we would have to, worse than anything else, we would have to give up some of our old associations. You'd have to give up the fact that, I, 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 can't, I can't stand religion because before I was born, my mother was scared by a preacher. Well, that's great. You know. 
Well, I was baptized when I was nine months old, and, and I've been afraid of water and preachers ever since. And the Bible makes me nervous because somebody told me that I was going to go to hell because I didn't believe what they believed. Those are the things you have to let go of. If you want the truth, if you want esoteric teachings, if you want meaning, then you have to look beyond all those things. You have to be willing to sacrifice all that crap, all those lies, all those limitations, old associations that you have allowed to collect on you, like lint on a blue serge suit, or like cat hair on a blue serge suit. Fully conscious means conscious of yourself and the other person. External considering is being conscious in the other person, not of the other person. See, we're conscious of the other person. We think that's external considering. Well, yes, well, I know he's there. That's just common courtesy. That's not external considering. External considering is being, per being conscious in the other person, putting your consciousness in the other person so that you can see why the other person dislikes you. Why would anyone want to see that? Why, why would I want to see why anyone disliked me? Well, I wouldn't unless I wanted to change, unless I wanted to develop, unless I wanted to expand my consciousness, grow and develop in a different direction and not feed the pigs, not spend my life in that country feeding swine and starving to death, longing to have something to fill my stomach. When you put your consciousness into the other person, you see from him what he feels about you. You don't see from yourself what he feels about you. You see, this is the big danger for people. There are a lot of people who are very emotional, and they feel, they see how people feel about them, and they're very accurate with it. Steve is excellent at this. He is very accurate at zoning right in on exactly what you're really thinking, going through, feeling. But the problem is, is that you have to, you, you, when you do that from yourself, you have a reaction to it. Your hackles go up, or you sour, or something happens that puts you out of harmony, out of kilter, makes you negative. But when you do it from him, from that other person, you put your consciousness into the other person so you see from him what he feels about you. It's completely logical. It makes perfect sense then. When we see it from ourselves, we see an enemy, not friend. We see someone who doesn't view us the way we view us, Therefore, they are not us. Therefore, they are not friend. Therefore, they are to be destroyed. This is logical thinking. It's impossible to see why he dislikes you unless you become conscious of yourself. Where are we the blindest? The areas that we're not conscious about ourselves. That's where we receive the biggest shocks. What is it that we guard and protect the most? The areas that we're not conscious about ourselves where we could receive the biggest shocks. Those are the areas we protect the most. How do we protect them? We guard them with self-justification. We guard them with pride, self-valuation, vanity. We guard them by making other people wrong so that we can't allow any new meaning into us about ourselves from other people. The only way to see oneself in others and others in oneself. In other words, if you can't see yourself in others and others in yourself, then it's because you're not being able to put your consciousness in the other person. When you can put your consciousness in the other person, you can see yourself and others and others in yourself. The ultimate end of violence and mass killing is being able to see yourself in the other person and see the other person in yourself. When you hear your mouth running, you just every once in a while, you will come to yourself. You will come to your senses like this guy in this country. But when he came to his senses, he said, 
How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I'm dying here with hunger. He came to his senses. He found himself in the midst of wanting to eat the food that he was feeding to the pigs. He was longing for it. He was salivating for it. He wanted it. You ever find yourself salivating for negative emotions, salivating for blood, salivating to harm someone? Yes. And you come to your senses and you realize, wait, wait, this isn't what I want. This is not my aim. This is not my goal in life. This is not who I want to be. Now, it doesn't happen often, but it can happen. When you enter this work, it happens more often than when you're not in this work. When I say this work, I mean trying to develop along another line the work of trying to develop along another line. I don't care which path you choose or which path has chosen you or which path you've fallen into. I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter to me. For me, they're all the same. Either you wish to work or you don't wish to work. We don't all wish to work all the time. But hopefully, here, we all wish to work sometime. Hopefully. Violence only breeds violence. Consciousness takes away the desire for violence. If you can become conscious in the other person, and you can see from the other person yourself. You can't be violent toward the other person. You can't be violent toward yourself. The desire for violence is gone. When you can put yourself in the position of the person or the thing that you wish to do violence to, you lose the desire to do violence. You recognize the other person as yourself with the same fears, the same pains. A man who thinks psychologically can't use weapons of mass destruction. Now, this does not mean that a man who thinks psychologically can't bust your chops. It just means he won't use weapons of mass destruction. He will bust your individual chops for your individual action. So someone asked me once, well, what do you do? Just be the world's doormat? Just let people do whatever they want? I don't, but I deal with each individual individually, not in mass. This new thinking isn't possible without a belief in greater mind. Greater mind means it's beyond our mind. That's what it means. So this new way of thinking is beyond our mind. Well, how are you going to get it if it's beyond your mind? Well, it's not going to come from your mind. Well, if it's not going to come from my mind, then I can't trust it. Fine. Then go back to feeding swine. There is a huge need for swine feeders on the planet. So you'll have work for the rest of your life. You don't have to worry about that. You'll starve to death inside, but you'll have work for the rest of your life. Greater mind thinks not only differently, but in an entirely different way. We can guess about greater mind based on scale. We can guess that greater mind thinks relatively. We can see that as we begin to expand our consciousness, we begin to take in more things into that consciousness. As the light of consciousness expands, it includes more. As more things are included, more things can be seen together. As more things can be seen together, our understanding of those things that can be seen together, how they relate to one another, changes, and we have new meaning. So from this, we can guess, we can extrapolate in scale. The greater mind, having greater consciousness, must be able to think with greater relativity and therefore understand how everything works with everything else. As barely conscious, we think of a thing separate from other things. The truth about us is we are barely conscious. And if you can't see that about yourself, keep looking. It's there. Eventually, you're going to stub your toe on it. And that's exactly how it is. You stub your toe on it. You curse it. You run around jumping on one foot, holding your toe, screaming and cussing and yelling at the truth that you stubbed your toe on. But eventually, you get it. You get that you did it. 
that you're responsible and you stop kicking against the goads and you stop hurting yourself with the truth and you start walking around it to get a better view of it rather than try to kick it out of the way. Greater mind thinks of that thing that we see separately from other things in relation to everything of which it is a part. So we see things separately. We see that person, that person, that person, that person. And we can say, well, that person and that person are together. They're a couple. Well, that's good. That's the start. And we can see that person, that person are a couple, and they have those children. Good. We can see a family now. We can see that they have, they live in this house. Or we, so we begin to see how things fit together as our consciousness expands. When our consciousness is not expanding, when it's contracted, we only see one person is not us and not anyone else. Separate separate from everything else. Greater mind doesn't see like that. Patriotism is characteristic of logical thinking, unable to see the existence of a world as a whole, of which the country that they're patriotic toward is only a small part. In our time, we have begun to think more globally. Jet travel has made the world a smaller place. You can be on the other side of the planet in a day now, whereas it would take months or years to do that in the recent past. Now, you can be on the other side of the planet in a day. So the planet is smaller in that way. So we have more opportunity to see different points of view, to see different ways of doing things, to see people differently than we've ever been able to see them before. This has a way of expanding our consciousness. Now, it doesn't mean it has to. People can stay provincial, narrow, ignorant. It's possible to do that. Look around you. We've done it to a very large degree. It is possible to do that. But we do have the option to see things in a broader sense. Ospensky said, It's necessary to know something of the whole before one can think rightly of the part. This makes such perfect sense to me. Only a little may be known of the whole and far more of the part. But unless the two are brought together, the thinking is wrong. And I like that because it's true. We can know a lot about the part and very little about the whole. But if we can bring those two things together, our meaning and understanding increases exponentially, more than the sum of the two parts. We live in a universe in which everything is related with everything else, and everything influences everything else. Nothing can be taken separately in truth. It can be taken separately, but only in illusion, only in imagination. You can imagine that you are not influenced by me. You can imagine that you are separate from me, but you can't be separate from me, and you can't be not influenced by me. It's impossible. But we can imagine that we're not. And we can act on our imagination and destroy what is not us, not friend. The only way to resist this reality is through the belief that darkness hides. The reality is it's all related. It's all relative. The only way to resist that reality is to believe that darkness hides. Believing that darkness hides means out of sight, out of mind. Put it out of sight, put it out of mind. You put it out of mind, it no longer exists. Darkness hides. So you put it in the dark place, the part that you're not conscious of. You put it there, and you can resist the reality of the universe. Why would anyone resist the reality of the universe? So that they can continue to do what they've always done, so that they don't have to change. Why would someone not want to change? Because they think they're fine the way they are. It's just that simple. They think they're good the way they are. They don't have to change. They have not realized their nothingness. They have not realized their place in the great ray. And so they find no need to change because they're already just fine the way they are. 
Those people have a lot of requirements for everyone else. It's the other people that need to change. Darkness enables us to use buffers to hide our own contradictions so that we can continue to be negative and automatic. Why would anyone want to be negative? Because they like it. Because we love negative emotions. That's why we gossip. That's why we talk despairingly about other people. That's why we talk mindlessly about other people, events, the weather. That's why we talk most of the time. Because we like it. What is the we that likes it? Well, it's not us. It's not the real us. It's not the us that needs to be discovered, uncovered, underneath all this other collected, acquired us that the world has built as a crust around the real us. Greater mind is conscious in all three forces, able to calculate when and how second force will appear when something is done. Think about it. Greater mind is conscious in all three forces. We are conscious in one. We are conscious in what we want. Then we become conscious in second force sometimes when we don't get what we want. But we don't understand what the second force is. All we understand is we're not getting what we want, and it must be somebody's fault. And we start to live a tragic, sour, bitter, resentful life. We didn't get what we want. If only. If only I'd been born black. If only I'd been born a woman. If only I'd been born a monkey or a chimpanzee. If only I'd been born a frog. Then life would be good. Much of what we react to without consciousness must appear insane to greater mind. It certainly appears insane to relative thinking. The things that we react to unconsciously, the more conscious you become, the more you can look at your past and go, I was insane. Fortunately, it's temporary insanity if you find the key to sanity, a new way of thinking, a new way of squeezing new meaning out of old things. The language of higher centers isn't logical language because it has three forces in it. Lower centers must alter higher influences, reducing them to formatory thinking from three to two. It's like trying to teach a child how to read. You reduce the words to letters. You reduce the letters to sounds. Now, I know there's another method of recognition. You show them the word, B-A-L-L, so they see that, and then they see a picture of the thing. So they recognize that that word represents that picture. And some people can learn to read that way. Some people don't need phonics. Some people do better with phonics. Personally, I think that everyone would do better with phonics because it takes more effort and there's more involved with it, so it involves more centers. And anytime we involve more centers, we have more consciousness. And when we have more consciousness, we learn better. Greater mind, higher centers, conscious men, the conscious circle of humanity, don't think in yes or no. To make contact with greater mind, we've got to understand that it's our logical thinking that prevents us. We all understand that logical thinking prevents other people from understanding us when we talk about this work. What we don't understand is that our own logical thinking is preventing us from understanding what we don't understand now. Our insistence on hanging on to logical thinking well, I can't have not friend, because if I do, then I'll be vulnerable, and that's illogical. We're going to have to humble ourselves, becoming willing not to know and be taught. And you can't just humble yourself to one person. You have to humble yourself to life, to the work, to higher influences, to greater mind, to the conscious circle of humanity, whatever you want, the kingdom of heaven, whatever you want to call it. I don't care what you call it. <laughs> I really don't care. It's so sad that people get hung up on these labels, these names, these words, these concepts, 
because it's so much greater. It's so far beyond the concepts, the words. And if you let go of those, and you let go of that logical, it's got to be this way, it's got to be that way, you'll free yourself to be able to get new meaning, to be able to receive higher influences. When those higher influences start to fall on you in a new way, in a different way, they change you. You can begin to think differently. When you think differently, things are different. The bread that's talked about from Luke fifteen seventeen. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. Well, most people read that at the stone level, the very basic, hardest, unyielding, coldest level of the truth, the stone. That's the one they pick up and stone one another with, hit other people over the head with. God hates fags. That's the God hates fags truth. That's the all black people are cursed. That's the curse of Cain. That's that truth. If you're not baptized, you're going to hell. That's that truth, the stone truth, the hardest, most unyielding, lowest, basic truth. You take a stick and you bind it with a little bit of leather to the stone and you use that as a hammer and you go around and club people, not friend. You go around and club people who are not you, not friend, that you're separate from all day long. We've seen a bloody history of religion and politics and journalism like that. Journalist out there stirring it up with the propaganda. Well, I got a good idea. Let's you and him fight. Don't tell me it's not a black art because when that's what you're doing, that's a black art and you're serving both religion and politics when you do that. So journalism just becomes a whore. When journalism doesn't serve the truth, journalism is a whore for politics and religion. Black art. Oh, that was another talk. Sorry. You'll have to see the other podcast, the, the 129 podcast, Black Arts, the light podcast, to know what I'm talking about. The bread from Luke 15, 17 isn't literal bread. It's new meaning from greater mind. The only way that you can fill your stomach, the only way that you can fill your inner man is with greater meaning from higher, from, with higher meaning from greater mind, or greater meaning from higher mind. I don't care how you say it. Either way, it works for me. This new meaning is what the bread is. If we begin to see ourselves and this world from a new, higher meaning, we begin to awaken. This is what awakening means. Awakening means we see things from a higher meaning. We see things in a new way. We start to think differently. That's what it means to awaken. Anyone can say the words. It's not about saying the words. It's about doing it. Our desire becomes for that which will help us awaken, not hide. As it is now, our desire is mixed. Partially we want to awaken and mostly we want to hide. To stand upright in a world of spiritually horizontal people who imagine they can do is a very uncomfortable and dangerous thing to do. When you begin to awaken, you begin to stand upright in a world of spiritually horizontal people. Spiritually horizontal people are on the horizontal line. When you begin to awaken to a vertical truth, something above you, you begin to stand upright. You stand out from other people. Just in case you hadn't noticed, standing out from other people can be a very dangerous thing. Just like a chicken with a little bit of blood on it, in with a lot of other chickens, or a spot on it, in with a lot of other chickens. They will peck it to death. People who imagine they know right from wrong also imagine that they can ensure it. People who imagine that they know right from wrong are the ones who think that they can do something to right wrongs and to make the right right. It just isn't so. And how we know it isn't so is it only leads to violence. All the violence in the world is from people who know right from wrong or who imagine they know right from wrong and also imagine that they can ensure it. What is right and wrong? 
Whatever keeps you awake is right. Whatever puts you to sleep is wrong. If you want to know what's right and wrong, use that as your standard. Whatever keeps you awake is right. Whatever puts you to sleep is wrong. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.